Welcome to day two of our January wellness series, where today we are jumping to the physical side of wellness, specifically aging. Obviously, we all want to age. It sure beats the alternative, right? But we don't want to look like we're aging or feel like we're aging. Today's guest is going to teach us how to do just that, to be, as the title of his book says, Younger for Life. In this book, Dr. Anthony Yoon teaches us the concept of auto-juvenation, which was new to me, at least, five key lifestyle conditions that can cause accelerated aging both inside and out, how what we eat or don't eat contributes to aging or not aging, whether we should be taking supplements or not, skincare secrets, including his two-minute routine to make you look five years younger, the difference between a sunscreen and a sunblock, how retinoids, growth factors, and peptides in that order are beneficial to skincare and so much more. This is a jam-packed information full of how to look and feel younger based on what we put in our body and what we put on our skin episode. So a quick housekeeping note before I introduce you to Dr. Yoon, especially in the beginning of the episode, for whatever reason, the internet is a bit jumpy, but it does even out. So stick with us because the amount of information dispensed in this episode is mind-boggling. Dr. Yoon's new book, Younger for Life, Feel Great and Look Your Best with the New Science of Auto-Juvenation is out today, January 2nd, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to him. He is one of the most trusted and well-known plastic surgeons in the world and has established a huge following on social media, specifically TikTok. He has over 14 million followers on that platform, as well as YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. He too is a podcaster and hosts the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show and has appeared on countless television shows, radio shows, and in both print and online publications. Though he is a plastic surgeon, he comments on so much more than that. I actually don't think plastic surgery is mentioned once in this episode, come to think of it. So much of aging is based off of environmental and lifestyle factors, and the good news, that means how we age is in our control for the most part. Who among us doesn't want to age more gracefully? I know I do. And interestingly, though he is a plastic surgeon, most of the tips in this book are for how to age gracefully naturally. Dr. Yoon was named a top plastic surgeon by U.S. News & World Report, Harper's Bazaar, and Town & Country. I'm so excited for you to learn from him today as our January wellness series continues. Take a listen. I am so excited to have this conversation today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Well, let's start here. Simple yet complicated question. Can you reverse aging? Well, I guess the way I would look at it, so the answer is in general, yes. The way I would look at it though, there's a difference between chronologic age and biologic age. So can you reverse chronologic age? That is a definite no. You know, I'm 51 years in chronologic years and I cannot so that I'm 49 years. Mm -hmm. But your biological age is different. And that's basically at which your body is. And can you reverse biological age? Definitely. And it really comes down to uh, this uh, concept that's in the book called autojuvenation. And autojuvenation essentially means that your body has certain regenerates and it can can rejuvenate itself, but you have the right tools and the right environment in order for it to do that. And so if you do give it the right tools and the right environment, you can definitely reduce your biologic age and the appearance 
It's object age on your skin. Well, let's talk about autojuvenation for that matter. That plays prominently throughout the book. So what is autojuvenation? So yeah, autojuvenation is basically the fact that your body contains this regenerative ability. And in our society, the way that we eat, the way that, you know, the way that we live, our environment around it does not, it is not to this autojuvenation, which is basically natural ways that you can turn back the clock. And when I think about autojuvenation, I focus on five concepts or five main things that you, and it is what you eat, when you eat, no supplements, skin, and non-invasive treatment. And I feel very vast majority of people, maybe even 90% of people and look amazing if they focus on these five things and will hopefully never feel the need to, let's say, go under the knife in order to get where they want to be with their appearance. Mm -hmm. So can you explain to us the difference between your internal age and your external age? Because I think you already kind of did. Is that the same thing as chronological age? So talk to us about the difference between your internal age and your external age. Yeah, actually, it's a little different than chronologic and biological age. Your internal age is the age at which your body is functioning. And Mm -hmm. that can be more uh, considered like your biological age. Your external age is the age at which you appear. And so, you know, somebody may, let's say, have a facelift and they may appear to be 50 years old, where in reality, their internal age is 60 years old. Uh, At the same time, your external age can also be impacted, not just from surgery, impacted from so, so many other things. Discuss a lot about that. You know, it starts really with the food, truly impact the health and skin. Uh, it proceeds from there to supplements that can also impact the health and quality of your skin, to non-treatments, and then even into invasives. Uh, and, and so... The interesting thing that we find is that when you actually look at certain studies, studies of twins, the younger looking, and there was actually a Danish study that looked at this, that the younger looking of two twins actually lives longer than the older looking of two twins, uh, according to the study. And so that's an interesting thing of, is it causation or correlation? You know, why is it that the younger looking one lived longer? Is it that they basically lived a healthier lifestyle, causing them to biologically uh, be younger, or is it maybe that the effects of that lifestyle caused their face and their skin to look younger? And it's probably honestly both. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And another thing that I found really interesting in the book was you talk in the book about from a historical perspective humans have never wanted to age. I mean, that's certainly a modern perspective. Nobody, nobody that I know in modern times wants to age at least, at least have that age show in their, in their body or on their face. Why is this from a historical perspective that humans have never wanted to age? Because one would think, right, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, it's better than the alternative, right? But why, why do we not want to age? What are we so afraid of? Um, I think it depends though, too, on I think that as time, and then even those cultures, let's say, um, you know, my parents are Korea and in the Korean culture, they are, you know, one of the big things is uh, respecting your elders and putting the elders in a prominent place in your community. Here in the United States, 
it's different. You know, we have tended to marginalize people who are older. We have tended to make fun of them, poke fun at them, um, you know, and so, but, but what has happened as time has gone on in other cultures is that they have been unduly influenced by our culture. Whereas still in the South Korean culture, they still revere their elders. There is a huge trend towards having plastic surgery mm -hmm. and not wanting to necessarily look like you're an elder. Uh, and so there definitely is this, this uh, push in our society to value youth uh, over almost anything. And we see that in our pop culture all the time. And I do think that that is something that is clashing with a lot of more the traditional values. Uh, but unfortunately, those traditional values uh, become less and less apparent as people in those generations pass. Uh, and so, I mean, part of it is just kind of as culture has evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I find that so interesting. And um, I want to talk about five key lifestyle conditions that can cause accelerated aging. You talk about this in the book, both inside and out. So number one is nutrient depletion. Number two is inflammation. Number three is collagen degradation. Number four is free radical damage or oxidation. And number five is the buildup of cellular waste. So your book goes into each of these in deep detail. Listeners, if you want the deep dive on each of those, definitely grab the book. But can you explain on a high level why these five conditions can cause accelerated aging? Well, each of them create their own impact. For example, uh, collagen degradation. 70 to 80% of our skin is composed of collagen. Collagen is the part of our skin that causes our skin to feel tight, to feel smooth, and to feel strong. And as we get older, we lose about 1% of the thickness of our collagen every year. Uh, in women after menopause, it's believed that that increases up to 2% a year. And that's one reason why we may see uh, women who are in their 70s or 80s and their skin sometimes can be almost tissue paper thin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's one of the main causes that we see as we get older, our skin gets thinner, it gets crepier, and it gets looser. Um, so for example, that's one of the things, another thing that you brought up, let's say was inflammation, chronic inflammation, mm -hmm. between acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. Acute inflammation uh, is, is, is inflammation that happens very quickly, that's relatively short term. That can actually be a very healthy response of our body. So for example, if you get a cut on your skin, you will create your body will create acute inflammation around that cut to help it to heal faster and to attack any pathogens that may be trying to create an infection. Uh, when you get a laser treatment or a chemical peel, we are creating an acute trauma or acute inflammation to the skin creating a very controlled um, uh, a trauma or damage to the collagen fibers. And when the collagen fibers heal, they heal in a tighter fashion. And that's why let's say laser treatments and chemical peels can result in tighter skin afterwards because you've created this controlled trauma that your body is healed. As it heals from it, it heals in a more youthful fashion essentially. And it's kind of like this concept that we call hormesis where if you put your body under a short-term period of stress, your body can react to that stress in a very uh, beneficial way. Uh, and that's one, that's one reason why I see some people who are doing, let's say, cold plunges nowadays, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, people who are doing like hit hit workouts and stuff like that. The idea is that if you uh, put your body under a controlled amount of trauma in an acute fashion, uh, the body can react in a way where it rejuvenates itself 
and is in a better position than it was before the injury. Now, if the injury is too severe, you know, so let's say you're working out and you're doing bicep curls and you tear your bicep, well, now you've created a true injury that you have to heal from. That's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at that as in a cosmetic treatment, it's let's say if you get a laser treatment to your face and they go too deep with the laser and they burn your skin. Okay, now you've cre created a trauma that is acute, but has, is too severe to recover from. Now you've got the negative uh, ramifications of it. And so, you know, so that's just, you know, with acute inflammation, that can be a good thing. Chronic inflammation is almost always a bad thing, though. Mm -hmm. And so chronic inflammation through the diet occurs if you eat too much sugar. You can get technically chronic type inflammation in your body from excessive stress. Um, you know, there's chronic inflammation from other types of, uh, you know, let's say you get chronic inflammation, if you're getting too much, uh, sun damage, you know, that mm -hmm. can create chronic inflammation mm -hmm. as well. And so we have to definitely, you know, separate acute from chronic inflammation, but mm -hmm. as you can see, you know, just bringing up these two different, um, conditions of skin aging, that's multifactorial, uh, but food can play a huge impact in most of these. Yeah, let's stay there for a minute. So the book includes plenty of recipes. It includes a diet protocol. You write in the book that we should eat to nourish, that we should eat to cool inflammation, as you just spoke about. But I want to park for a minute on eating to firm up collagen. I think that's something that a lot of us want to do. Mm -hmm. So what is one way, even before listeners go and grab a copy of the book, that they can eat to firm up their collagen today? Yeah, very simple thing is that we know that collagen is a large, large protein and there is there has been a trend uh, for people to eat less protein in general and uh, this has been counteracted over the last year or so where doctors are coming forward especially in women as they get older after menopause about the importance of protein in the diet and to prevent sarcopenia as you get older sarcopenia is a, um, a wasting away of the muscles skeletal muscles as we get older um, and so collagen is a large protein and the, basically the way that you support collagen by diet directly is to eat healthy amounts of protein. Now, uh, you know, if you are a carnivore, if you, you know, will eat meat then eating healthy sources of meat, what I usually recommend ideally are grass fed beef, pastured mm -hmm. chicken and pork, uh, ideally wild caught fish or very carefully sourced farmed fish. Uh, those are great sources of protein. If you're plant-based, then you're going to get a lot of that from legumes. Uh, make sure to soak them uh, to reduce any of the uh, of what some people consider to be anti-nutrients in it. Um, you can also get a, a protein from nuts and seeds, uh, from soy, uh, recommending to ideally go organic if you can. Um, and so really focusing on healthy protein is a great way to help support the collagen of your skin. Uh, there are other specific things with collagen, like drinking bone broth. Mm -hmm. Bone broth is chock full of collagen in the form of gelatin. So that may help with the skin. And I'm also a fan of collagen supplements. Yeah. Uh, there are studies that show that that can help with collagen of your skin as well. Well, let's stay for a moment on what we eat and how that can contribute to us not aging. So you write in the book that we should also eat to heal with antioxidants. So for those that might not know, what are antioxidants? Yeah. So one of the main agents of, uh, of our skin is oxidation. And oxidation basically is a term used to describe when the substances called free radicals attack the body. So the fact that we are alive, our body creates as a waste product, free radicals. And free radicals are these molecules that are unstable and they can damage the, damage the DNA of our cells if they are not neutralized. 
Now, our body's natural defense against free radicals are antioxidants. So you probably heard the term antioxidants. Antioxidants are, are typically in, uh, in fruits and vegetables, and the antioxidants are the actual pigment, the color of fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you eat a green vegetable, you're going to get a different type of an antioxidant than if you eat a red fruit. Uh, and so one of the things you can do to fight free radicals is to eat a plethora of antioxidants, essentially eating the rainbow of colorful fruits and vegetables. That's going to infuse your body with different antioxidants to fight these free radicals. So free radicals will damage the DNA of our cells. They're neutralized by antioxidants, which we find in colorful fruits and vegetables. And in general, you want your body to be at a um, what we call homeostasis, where you don't have too many free radicals. And so those free radicals are kept under check. But there are lifestyle things that you can do that can increase the amount of free radicals that are attacking your body. So there are certain foods that are filled with free radicals. And typically those are ultra processed foods. Ultra processed foods are those foods that essentially um, don't look like the food they originated from. So for example, a Twinkie is an ultra processed food. If yes. you look at a Twinkie, and you go, well, what, what fruit or vegetable is a Twinkie from? It has been so <laughs> altered from its original form that we have no idea what it's from. You know, it is from some type of fruit or vegetable because you know it's not from an animal, it's from a fruit or vegetable. Yeah. Um, but what is it from? We don't even know. And you compare that to like steamed broccoli or one of my favorite dishes, bibimbap, which is uh, rice with beef and various marinated vegetables mm -hmm. and a fried egg. Like you can look at that food and go, okay, this is what it's from. But you look at a Twinkie or you look at uh, certain uh, uh, cookies and stuff. And it's like, they are plant-based products, but we can't tell what they're from. Mm -hmm. So these types of foods are actually filled with free radicals. And so ingesting them can cause those free radicals to damage the DNA of your cells causing your cells to age more quickly. Mm. Uh, other things, that, other causes of free radicals are like pollution, sun damages that causes free radicals, cigarette smoking, those types of activities as well. Well, I want to talk about Coke or pop or soft drinks or whatever you call it. This isn't really a question. It's just more of a staggering, honestly, statement that I learned from the book. Listeners, as evidenced by the last few questions I've asked, if you haven't had this point driven home to you yet, what we eat or what we don't eat contributes mightily to aging or not aging. So I found this staggering. This is straight out of the book. Burnt foods contribute to aging, which I found incredibly interesting. Drinking a daily 20 ounce bottle labeled single serving of a Coke, whatever, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, whatever it is, resulted in, get this listeners, 4.7 more years of aging and is as damaging to longevity as smoking. That is staggering. And I hate that fact because I love a good Dr. Pepper, <laughs> but that if, if anything, look, if my, if my health can get me you. to put the Dr. Pepper away, then aging 4.7 years can get it me to put it away. Do you have any comment on, on just, I mean, obviously, logically, we all know that soft drinks are not good for us. We know this, but I didn't realize they were that bad for us. So do you have any comment on that? Cause that is really staggering. Yeah, there's a couple of things. There was a study that found that upwards of 20% of the calories in the standard American diet is composed of uh, sugar-sweetened drinks. So that'd be soda pop, energy drinks, and fruit juices. Um, on top of that, the study that you are um, discussing is the telomere study, where there was a study that looked at telomeres. Now, telomeres are basically parts of our chromosomes. And every time you, um, every time, let's say your cell divides, 
it cuts off a piece of the telomere, okay? Mm -hmm. And when telomeres get so short uh, that, that they can get to a certain point where so much of the telomeres are cut off that your cell will no longer divide. And it becomes what's called a senescent cell. So essentially, you know, every time your cell divides and you're young, your telomeres get shorter and shorter and shorter. And at some point they get so short that your cells can no longer divide. And those are cells that are essentially age cells that are not really functioning appropriately. Some people call them zombie cells. So the fact is the study looked and compared smoking and drinking a 20 ounce can of soda pop and found that it impacts the length of the telomeres very similarly. Uh, and the telomeres basically get shorter and shorter as we get older. And there are certain activities that we do that are unhealthy activities that will shorten them prematurely. Now, we don't know with the telomeres if that is just a sign of aging or if that causes us to age more quickly. There's still question about that, but definitely it is one of the things that we look at from an anti-aging perspective to determine how old or young our cells are, uh, hmm. is the length of those telomeres. That's so fascinating as well. I mean, this book is filled with fascinating information. And I want to ask you this, should we all be taking supplements? Is that something that we should all incorporate into our lives? So I'm a traditionally trained physician and for the vast majority of my training and you know most of my career, I didn't think supplements were all that necessary. And uh, it's I came to a realization many years ago that as a physician, there were many things I didn't know that I didn't know. Essentially, there are a lot of physicians who go through practice um, where we are told certain things in our training and we believe it without actually vetting that information. So for example, there's some physicians will say, oh, don't bother with supplements, they don't help at all. Um, and they make a blanket statement like that, but not actually having looked at research of it. They just mm -hmm. have a blanket statement on it. Uh, one of the interesting things, you know, if you talk to holistic health experts, and I'm, you know, I have friends on both sides. I have friends of mine, I work out of a hospital. I have friends of mine who are in traditional medicine and I have good friends of mine who are uh, alternative health experts. And they will tell you that our They'll say, look, our food is not as nutritious as it used to be. This is something that I hear all the time from them. And they'll say that our soil due to indexes has been stripped of a lot of its nutrients. And so the fruits and vegetables that we eat nowadays are not as nutritious as they were, let's say when our grandparents were eating them. Uh, so is there any truth to that? Well, I, I did actually find an interesting study that it was a 49 year study where they looked at fruits and vegetables over 49 years from the years 1950 to 1999 and they found a significant reduction in at least six key nutrients in our fruits and vegetables. Hmm. And three of them stood out to me. The three that stood out to me are vitamin C, iron, and protein. Vitamin C, iron, and protein. I mean, you know, all these are the vitamin C is absolutely essential. It's it's probably the most it's the most common antioxidant that we ingest that we put on our skin. Uh, it's also absolutely necessary for collagen production. You know, we remember back in middle school science class when they would tell you those stories of those um, uh, explorers back in the 1400s that would take a bunch of fruit and vegetables with them. They go sailing off to the unknown and eventually they get scurvy because they run out of fresh fruits and vegetables and then they're only, you know, relying on fish and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they get these scurvy basically re results in skin problems because they don't have enough collagen because of the no vitamin C. Uh-huh. Um, and then protein, obviously being huge, as we talked about with collagen as well. And so it is true. It does appear to be that there is science to show that our fruits and vegetables are not as nutritious as they used to be. And therefore, I am a fan of supplements. Um, I don't think they hurt. I think they can definitely help. 
And depending on the supplement, there are specific indications where people have seen big changes either in their health or the quality of their skin by taking certain supplements. Well, so this is kind of a bridge listeners. We're kind of going to walk across the bridge here from what we put in our bodies to what we put on our bodies. So obviously when it comes to skin, skincare, we can eat to work on our skin from the inside out. We can also do work to help from the outside in. So you talk about a good cleanser being imperative toner. You taught me something and I'm, I'm pretty skincare obsessed. I'm a product girl. Like that is, that's kind of my lane, uh-huh. but I did not really know. And I'm kind uh-huh. of embarrassed to admit this, the difference between a sunscreen and a sunblock. Can you explain that? Yes. So basically, Basically, it's the difference between a chemical sunscreen and a physical sunblock. So physical sunblocks basically block the rays of the sun by physically being a barrier between the sun's rays and your skin. Uh, They come in two two types, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And traditionally, these are the the creamy, pasty stuff that you may see lifeguards back in the 80s and 90s wearing on top Mm -hmm. of their nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be that these physical blockers were real thick, they're pasty, and people didn't like them. Since then, they have become much thinner. They're what we call micronized, where they're much smaller particles. And even though they don't necessarily look completely clear to the skin, um, it can work for most skin types. However, the negative with, with physical-based sunblocks is that in people who have darker skin, sometimes it can cause a lighter hue to the skin to be potentially visible. You know, so people who are African-American, uh, people who are Indian, a lot of times don't like wearing it because it does change, potentially change the appearance, the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, chemical sunscreens uh, basically are chemicals that are placed onto the skin. They absorb through the skin. And when the sun then hits the skin, it creates a chemical reaction to neutralize the effects of the sun's rays. Uh, and so chemical sunscreens have to be absorbed through the skin unlike physical sunblocks. And then there are even a couple of ingredients of chemical sunscreens that are very widespread that some uh, uh, healthcare professionals believe could be endocrine disruptors. They could potentially mimic certain hormones in the body uh, and and also potentially disrupt the coral reefs. And so Mm -hmm. there are alternative medicine experts who recommend avoiding in general oxybenzone and octinoxate. These are two very common uh, chemical sunscreen ingredients. Um, and instead, if you want to use something that we know is a hormone disruptor, that's safe for the coral reefs, I would look at avobenzone and megzoral XL. So in general, the, what I describe, so you can say, okay, this is kind of complicated. I didn't know sunscreen was so complicated. <laughs> I will simplify it for you. If you have a child, use a physical sunblock, zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Your kids, if you're at the beach and they look a little pasty, they don't care. They're running around in the water. You know, (laughs) ideally you don't want to put anything that's going to cause uh, any type of hormone disruption or mimicking of hormones in their body. If you are a person of color, then go with a chemical sunscreen, at least on your face, like one with Mixoral XL or Avobenzone, because then you're not going to get that kind of whitish hue to your skin. for your body, you know what? If you want to apply a sunblock, by all means, if you don't care, if you want to use a sunscreen, feel free, obviously. If you are Caucasian, then in general, I recommend a physical sunblock, unless you're finding it's too heavy on your face. Then if you want to use, once again, avobenzone or Mexoral XL, I think that's very safe. 
And the one thing I strongly discourage people from using are those sunscreen sprays where they spray all over their kids and now their mm -hmm. kids are breathing these fumes into their developing lungs. Mm. I don't know if that has any effect on it, but I would not want that for my child. Mm -hmm. I'd want to play it safe. If you've got a spray that you want to use, you don't want to toss it out, spray it into your hand and then apply it to your child. Mm. It's going to work the same. We don't have to create this huge plume of sunscreen that they're breathing into their lungs. Mm. That is a good tip for those little lungs. And you also write that we need a moisturizer. You give a great tip in the book about spritzing your face with spring water. Love that tip. Have been adopting that tip. Mm -hmm. You recommend exfoliating one to three times a week. And you in the book mentioned retinoids, growth factors, and peptides in that order. So retinoids, growth factors, peptides mm -hmm. as beneficial mm -hmm. to skincare. So there are people out there who do not know what retinoids, growth factors, and peptides are, if I could speak. So what do they do and what are they? Yeah, the first thing I would look at would be retinoids. Now, retinoids are derivatives of vitamin A, and they are probably the most studied uh, anti-aging skincare ingredients, period. They come in prescription strength, which is Retin-A, or the, the generic term is tretinoin, but we'll just call it Retin-A, uh, and non-prescription strength, which is retinol. Most skincare companies have some type of a retinol product in their line. Mm -hmm. And if you were to pick one anti-aging cream to use every night, I would recommend a retinol. Uh, we do know that studies show that prescription strength Retin-A can reverse uh, wrinkles. It can thicken the dermis or the deeper part of the skin. So improve the collagen of the skin. It can help with fading sunspots and it can even reverse early pre-skin cancers. Now, those studies have not been done quite the same on retinol because retinol is over-the-counter strength and companies aren't required to perform these studies like with tretinoin or retin-A, um, but we have to assume that the results are going to be fairly similar, maybe just not quite as dramatic. Uh, retinol is much easier to tolerate than prescription strength retin-A, uh, and that's one reason why it's you know available over-the-counter because retin-A can really cause a lot of inflammation, acute inflammation and like redness and flaking of the skin, which a lot of people don't want to go through. Um, so if you're going to pick one anti-aging cream ingredient, the one I would pick would be a retinol to start with. Um, if, however, you have really sensitive skin, uh, and let's say the retinol does not work for you because it gets it too dry or too flaky or too red, then in those situations, I would recommend either trying a growth factor type of a cream. Growth factors traditionally are these cellular mediators that were from uh, uh, like, uh, I think initially in some of them were from like umbilical cord tissue. Uh, so they're a little bit controversial, um, peptides, and they're very expensive. Uh, the other option would be peptides. Peptides are basically proteins that act as cellular signals for the skin to essentially create more collagen. And those are usually relatively inexpensive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I look at as far as effectiveness, I would start with the retinol, then probably the growth factor, negative with growth factor though, is the cost of it. And then peptides, probably not as effective as retinol, but definitely easier to tolerate. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking we have so much power that we can take back into our hands as far as aging. Obviously we can't stop time. You know, we're going to chronologically age and that's a good thing. That's a blessing, but there's so much we can do in terms of what we eat and in terms of what we put on our skin that can help us at least not look our age. And if you're eating correctly, not feel our age either. And so we've talked about the importance of diet. We've talked about skincare, and this is just 
of course, listeners, just a gloss of over this book. You've got to grab this book to get the full, the full picture. But we've talked about food. We've talked about skincare, but of course, sleep. Sleep is so critical for so many aspects of health, including aging. So what is the correlation between sleep and aging? And why do we need to get that adequate amount of sleep to help us age slower? Well, I think I put sleep in the same category as, as stress. You know, our body needs to regenerate itself at, at night. It needs to have that time of rest. I do recommend a minimum of about six to eight hours of sleep. Uh, and in the book, there are a lot of recommendations of how to get a good night's sleep if you haven't, you know, if you're having a hard time sleeping. Uh, but really, it comes down to your body. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there is chronic stress or chronic inflammation and acute inflammation. And there's kind of the same thing when you look at stress as well. And, you know, getting not getting enough sleep, having a long term lack of sleep can create kind of a chronic inflammation or chronic stress type of a state. Mm -hmm. And this we do know is aging, not anti-aging. It's the acute stress that is actually beneficial for the body. Uh, and so really, I, I don't think there are, anybody would argue the importance of sleep to for youth, for regeneration, um, for allowing your body to basically rejuvenate itself overnight. Uh, the question then is, is you know how just how important is it? And I would say it's one of the most important things that you can do for your health and your overall appearance. So mm -hmm. I do believe in beauty sleep, <laughs> uh, I know that there's some people who look good, like uh, Martha, Martha Stewart supposedly sleeps like four hours a night, but I also think she's had a bunch of work done too. <laughs> so <laughs> if I, don't I know slept that she's four like hours a best, night, uh, I would look uh, like the crypt keeper. Like, I mean, I'm like, I get bags under my eyes if I'm not sleeping properly. It's not pretty. Like sleep yeah. is essential for me for, you know, just obviously my health, but also it shows up on my face too. I think it really does. And so it's one of those things where it's it's kind of almost a no-brainer when you're looking at overall anti-aging. You need that. Just, you know, it's the same thing as some people ask me, like, well, what about drinking water? Do you really need to? Well, yeah, like your body yeah. is made a huge percentage of water. And if you're not hydrating yourself, your skin's going to feel drier. It's going to look more wrinkled and you're going to be less healthy from it. And, you know, sleep is the same thing. These are just absolutely essential things. They're not even like you know, it's not even something that is a, well, maybe it's like a, everybody needs it. Doesn't matter who you mm -hmm. are. And mm -hmm. and I agree. I don't believe that people who are sleeping four hours a night truly thrive on that. I no. feel like there are people who do that because it's not as important to them because they are, you know, really driven by their business or whatever. I completely agree. And I mean, we could go, we could do an entire podcast series on this. We could do, you know, for years about this. It's so so good. And again, you need the sleep, you need the right foods, you need the water. The skincare stuff is of course, you know, a little bit less of a need and more of a want, but it still really can make a difference. Yeah. And my last question for you is there is so much information in this book, so much research, obviously well-researched by oh, you. you. There's so much information in the book that you've obviously researched over years and years and years. What is the most interesting piece of information that you learned while writing the book? Yeah, I think the most interesting piece that I learned was the impact of what's called autophagy. So when we started this conversation, I told you that the five things in um, autojuvenation, the five facets of it are what you eat, when you eat, uh, supplements, skincare products, and non-invasive treatments. And we've kind of covered all of them, except we haven't talked about the when you eat. So what that really impacts is, is that it's this process we call autophagy. And essentially just to explain, 
our body, uh, just the act of being alive, our cells create waste products. And these waste products are intracellular organelles, they're proteins, they're mitochondria that can sit inside of a cell and essentially slow down the cell's processes because it kind of fills up with this intracellular waste. Now, our body can actually use this intracellular waste, these proteins for energy. And that process is called autophagy. Autophagy means self-eating. And it's essentially an a intracellular recycling process where our body will use this intracellular waste, these proteins for energy when it runs out of energy. So when does it run out of energy it to, for, for that process to happen? It, you have to basically stop eating. And the problem is, is our society, we're used to eating all the time. We're used mm -hmm. to snacking all day. And when you're snacking all day, and especially if you eat right before bed and you eat exactly when you wake up, you don't give your body enough time for this autophagy process to happen. Because some people believe it takes upwards of 12 hours for autophagy to truly kick in. Now, what happens when autophagy kicks in? Basically, it uses up this intracellular waste and the cells function more effectively, more efficiently, more youthfully. And so this is a true anti-aging, a very natural anti-aging uh, process that can occur in your body. But in order for that to happen, you have to give your body times, uh, periods of time where you're not eating. And so one of the, you know, a lot of people talk about intermittent fasting as something mm -hmm. that's good to help lose unwanted pounds, to help maybe with your metabolism, uh, that type of thing. But it can actually be anti-aging to your body because by, let's say, not eating from 8 p.m. until 8 a.m. the next day or 8 p.m. until noon the next day, it gives your body a chance for this autophagy process to occur, for your cells to clean themselves out on the inside and to essentially be more youthful after that process. Uh, and like everything in life, as we get older, that process of autophagy slows down and we want to get that revved back up. And so one of the big parts of my book is a 21-day jumpstart where people can um, really on a specific diet, basically a collagen-supporting clean diet uh, skincare products, basically what we call a two minutes, five years younger skincare routine mm -hmm. and certain nutritional supplements. And we get them started on that on week one. And then weeks two and three, we, we incorporate just two days a week of intermittent fasting where for those two days a week, you stop eating at 8 PM and you don't eat until noon the next day, giving your body a chance for that autophagy to happen. And, and after those 21 days, we've had people with some really amazing results. Now it's not a facelift. Okay. You're not gonna get a facelift in three weeks. It's not, you know, it's not going to get rid of excess skin hanging from your eyelids or something like that. Mm -hmm. But what people would find is that their friend, they would go out to dinner with their friends while they're doing this. And their friends are like, wow, what are you doing with your skin? It looks fantastic. You know, not knowing that they're doing this, or we even had some people that were stopped by strangers on the street and the strangers would ask them, I just need to let, you know, I just need to find out what's your skincare routine because <laughs> whatever you're doing is really working. Uh, and so really by giving your body this chance to auto-juvenate itself, by using its own regenerative abilities, by what you eat, when you eat, supplements, skincare products, and if you want to add non-invasive treatments, you really can create a significant change in how your skin looks. You really can. And I've been adopting a lot of these tips and tricks since I read the book initially, and 
it does work. And auto juvenation was okay. my key take. I mean, there were a ton of takeaways from this book, but auto juvenation is the coolest takeaway that I took away from this book. And it made it to the title. And I want to tell oh, you, you listeners, please grab this book. This book is so full of tips. I feel like I barely scratched the surface in these questions. The book is called Younger for Life. Feel great and look your best with the new science of there it is auto juvenation. It is out January 2nd, just in time for the new year and our January wellness series and all of us setting goals to look better, feel better. Thank you so much for being here today. I think that this book is really going to help a lot of people feel more confident, both internally and externally. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Rachel. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Truthfully, I feel like we barely scratched the surface today of what is in the book. So make sure to grab a copy as it is out today, January 2nd. It again is called Younger for Life. Feel great and look your best with the new science of auto juvenation. And Dr. Yoon, thank you so much for your time. Our wellness series continues tomorrow with a shift back to mental and emotional wellness as we unpack the topic, how can we care less about what people think about us? a very powerful conversation. So check your feed tomorrow. Talk soon.